Yeah, alright. Man, it's like where to begin. Uh, just let you know, this is pretty much a story of a great witch. And the reason why I say that is, is great witch, yes, I mean witch, W-I-T-C-H, or the word bitch, V-I-T-C-H, which means pretty much the same thing. Man, where to begin? Actually, I'm going to be taking you through uh, a journey of my life, pretty much. Uh, a lot of people already know me, a lot of people have no clue who I am. Uh just put it this way uh, I went down a crazy journey in which I'll be sharing with you uh, this is true more like a autobiography of my life Van Michaels that's V-A-N-M-I-C-H-A-E-L-S Van Michaels I go by the title of Villain Van Michaels underneath the inverse name Ended up having four kids, actually five. Uh, one of them didn't make it. But uh, turn this uh, interesting story around. My kids are six, six, six years apart, and the last one was born on Friday the 13th. So obviously you can't make this up, and that's the reason why I'm sharing this. So I'm gonna show you basically. A lot of this is, is a real story, and uh, I say a lot of this is meaning some of it might be jokes that I put in, uh, stuff that really doesn't pertain to the situation, kind of lighten things. We're talking about uh, different religions, witchcraft, sorcery, and uh, pretty much the things that led me here, you know. Now I'm actually a Buddhist. Uh, but as uh, we take you through my journey, you're going to see I pretty much dabbled in everything. Everything. In fact, actually, uh, my name, actually, Van and Michaels. Van being the dark side and Michaels being my Christian name. I probably won't ex really expose my real name because uh, that person to me is pretty much dead. You know, and uh, I grew up in the 70s. I was born in 77. And uh, interesting story is, is my parents that raised me. One was black, one was white. And um, actually, they grew up in a time when black and whites weren't even supposed to be together. <laughs> Go figure, right? Now you turn on the TV, you can't even see one couple who's not mixed being together uh, it just shows you how crazy you know mind control is and I think that's the reason why I'm going to be doing my podcast um, while this is in connection to my clothing line uh, Inverse so Inverse is a metal alternative clothing company uh, I used to be in the music business when I was 19 I'm now in my 40s and uh, I pretty much just set out and accomplished everything I set out to do. Uh, I'm not a multi-millionaire, at least not yet. And uh, I look forward, you know, to helping a lot of people with what I do um, in my journey. 
I really didn't have too many people to fall back on. Um, I burned a lot of bridges. I probably hurt a lot of people. Um, but being on the path that I was as a witch, and let me tell you, witches ain't bad. So a lot of you Christians out there have a tendency to go ahead and label us as evil, as demons. Let me tell you something. I've been a full-fledged witch and have never, ever, ever has gotten as much hell caught as much hell as I am as a Buddhist now. Uh, people frown upon us Buddhists, look at us as demons and devils, you know, and really you need to understand your mythology, you know, before you start pointing the finger. You know, it's for funny, it was this Mormon guy who I used to uh, work for, and uh, he came up with this funny little saying, it always stuck with me, he says for uh, you know, for every time you point a finger at somebody, you got one pointing back at you. You know, nowadays I look and I see uh, people saying they've been bullied. You know, in all honesty, in this podcast, I hope, you know, with Inverse, we do everything the opposite. You know, to me, there's no such thing as a curse word. You know, and uh, I hope you guys check out my YouTube page because I'm very raw and very blunt. You know, you're going to hear some cursing. You know, because that's just how how it is. You know, it's just not a lot of people curse, but I don't really deal in morality. I don't course and form being a Buddhist. Uh, my whole thing is to mature beings to move forward. Um, being into music, uh, we just say, so we're going to talk about music. We're going to talk about my life. We're going to talk about when I grew up, uh, the differences, the trials, the tribulations. Uh, so, you know, this is really the story of a real true witch. You know, I was initiated seven times. I was into demonology, necromancy, uh, you name it, nocturnal. Completely nocturnal is where I started. Uh, deciphered the Bible, which takes nine books in order to do that. And uh, it's all tied into, to me, several different paths course and all saying the same thing. You can either take it or leave it alone. I studied Egyptian, uh, do Chinese tarot, I read, did done tarot cards professionally, done demonstrations. Um, I'm out here in Sin City myself. You know, this is a place been 19 years. This is pretty much what I call home. Uh, but you're going to hear some really trippy stuff in this one. So, we're calling this one Inverse Chronicles of the Grey Witch. Okay. And it's going to be a series. Quite a few things. But up until my life now, you're going to hear my triumphs. You're going to hear my defeats. You're going to hear my battles. You know, whether you think it's wrong or whether it's not, I really don't give a shit. You know, just, uh, know this, that uh, not all of us have been privileged and been able to have silver spoons put in our mouth. And you know, I know there's a lot of you out there that pretty much work for everything that you earn. And uh, the reason why I'm doing this is, is because I had a lot of people who used to make one phone call and we'd be able to have a hundred cars in the driveway. And uh, when you're doing good, a lot of people want to be your friend. But then when the bad times come and you call upon those people, 
ain't nobody there. They just all have a tendency to turn their back on you, you know. So, the reason why I'm actually wanting to put this out here is because, for one, it's an interesting story. And if you know what, if you don't believe in magic, you might will after this once you hear my podcast. This is no joke. Because the things I'm telling you in this is 100% real. 100% real. You know, and it's funny because, you know, we live in a society where um, we're always worried about morality and judgment and doing the right thing. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful concept. But when you think about it, there's not too many people out there. The elites don't even follow their own rules. You know, this is just one big giant people farm. And it uh, saddens me because when I first got into, you know, witchcraft, I was in a very uh, dark place in my life. I was a full-blown Christian. Started off, you know, We'll get into the, some of that too, but I just going to kind of give you an overview of what we're going to do before we go into my life story. I'm going to start tell you from the time when I started as a kid, you know, I was a very shy kid who uh, really didn't speak to anybody, you know, mom thought I was a little bit of an introvert at times, and um, never knew my biological father, which he, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be in this here too later on. And uh, I'm just going to take you from the journey from when I first started. And the reason why I do this is, is because I want people to know. And the reason why I'm doing this podcast is that, um, for me, I thought magic was one of those things that was like out of, you know, nothing like Harry Potter. Magic is real. You know, our ancestors have been using it for a long period of time. And depending on, you know, what nationality you are, um, you know, advice you might have a witch in the family tree you know look it up uh, I know I found out I did you know and uh, she lived to be 113 years old right is that trip 13 is my lucky number um, I got hired on jobs at Friday the 13 I found money on Friday the 13 um, I kind of thought it was me being cliche oh, witch actually 13 no that's our number um i'm gonna be dropping a lot of mythology in this so too so if you uh have a tendency to doubt me you know or doubt what i'm saying look it up you know we don't take nobody's word you know strictly for itself you know you gotta look it up do the research i've done the research um also i want to de dedicate this podcast to sherry winnings uh, sherry winnings was uh, my mentor uh, she taught me how to read cards. Uh, she treated me better than my, my own mother, you know, and I, I really appreciate that. She's no longer uh, with us, but uh, she's always going to be a part of the Inverse family. In fact, I got her on my Instagram. Uh, if you look at her, you can see her there. She's a redhead. Uh, she taught me uh, everything I pretty much know, which is also going to be part of the story. Now, you know... I'm a very optimistic person. Um, I didn't leave any, I didn't rule anything out. I never limited myself. Uh, I was doing things before I even knew exactly what names to put to them. I wasn't the sharpest tool in, in the shed, though. I, I will say that. I got held back in kindergarten when I was a kid. Uh, I hated reading. 
and all I wanted to do was ride my bike, play video games, you know. I remember playing a little Atari. I'll kind of let you know exactly how old I am. Uh, but playing Atari, and when I got the Atari, it was just amazing, and it was a 2600, and it just went on from there, and Nintendo, and now, I think it's funny now, because now you sit back and I watch my nieces and my nephew actually uh, play, you know, these games that are all pixelated, and I said, man, I said, the graphics that we have nowadays just blow away these little pixelated things, and it seems like, you know, everything's going backwards. These times, uh, I know, are scary for a lot of people, but, you know, inverse is all about the truth. Uh, I'm a truth seeker. I'm a code breaker. Um, basically, ethical hacker training. Uh, beta tester. doing that for a long time. It's also part of my story. You're going to see that once you really get going that, um, you know, I was a person that talked a lot. So it's kind of funny. I'm doing a podcast now. I never really like to put my life out there. Um, really, you know, we all have a story. You know, I think, and, and some of them are much more greater, probably much more greater than mine. Uh, I just want to share my experience because uh, I'm definitely, definitely uh, a villain. And I say the word villain, I'm, I'm not meaning it as like no superhero because, you know, when it comes to like, what I mean by superhero versus villains, you know, villains are different. Like, you know, I heard the saying and it always stuck with me that, um, and I never lost it because I always considered myself a villain the time that I was little, um, and I mean little is, is I've liked every bad guy in the story, I'm not sure if that was because of my uh, Christian, Christian background, but uh, we went to church probably five or six times a week, I didn't even know you could go to church five or six times a week, um, it started off just going, you know, on Sundays, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, to be continued. Alright, we have spring. Actually, summertime 1977. I know. People saying, God dang, you're old. But, in the same time, though, too, actually, it was an exciting time. Uh, a lot of people were still partying. A lot of people having a good time. Shag rugs were still actually uh, uh, a thing. Iron. I grew up with a lot of wicker. Tons of wicker. But anyway, growing up, 1977, a lot of spiritual things basically happened in 1977. Okay, For sevens, actually, it's uh, Christ's number right there. You know, make that times two. Dogon. You know, true energy, Christ energy. Okay, so you're gonna hear me use a lot of form of talk things of talking about mythology, talking about how we get down with the science of things and not morality. Like I say, there's no such thing as curse words. So as I basically tell you my story and break it down, um, pretty much you're looking at how I grew up, you know, in uh, in the 70s, 1977 when I was born running around those shag rugs, everything iron, you know, afros, bell bottoms, all that good stuff, all the way into the 80s, okay? Now, made it interesting was, is that uh, when I was growing up, I was a real shy, timid type of guy, you know, little, little dude, but I was not really too little. I seemed kind of big for my height, you know, for my age. And uh, people always just think I was a lot older than what I was. And uh, we used to always have to go to church all the time. 
you know, church was like a thing, church, 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 church. It's like, you know, I didn't even know that, that church, you could go to church about at least about five or six times a week, but we did. You know, I'm not knocking spirituality. It was a very good thing for my mother, but, you know, and my parents growing up, you know, my stepfather, you know, and, and, uh, and my mom, but it just seems not to do too much for me. Like I said, being the shy, timid dude, you know, growing up and everything, I was just trying to keep quiet. I stayed in the shadows most of the time, didn't even say anything, you know? So I'm just trying to figure everything out as I'm going along, scared about everything. I was shy, I was so shy. I mean, I'd be afraid of my own shadow most of the time. It was amazing. Well, to get to the point, I used to always have dreams all the time. My imagination would just run crazy crazy wild and I just had this imagination that didn't stop and I, my dreams to me were like movies I could not wait to actually go to sleep because I love to dream and I'm still that way today I'm still that way today dreams are very powerful you know um, study your dreams you know I encourage that thing um, like I said I had you know five kids myself one past you know and um, at the same time it was one of those things where like, you know, when I was growing up, I think I realized a lot more than what people thought I did. It's just the fact that I didn't speak, you know, kind of made it interesting because everybody was so, so much a mystery. But you'd be amazed. The quieter you are, the louder things, you know, the louder you become. And uh, most of the time I was trying to avoid people, trying not to avoid getting in the front of the line, having to go next, have to do this in front of people, do that in front of people. And I say this and that is, is I really didn't like anything that pretty much drew too much attention to me. I was just a little guy, you know, a big little guy, but I was still a little guy. So I used to always hate it because of my size, you know, we go to church and they put me, oh, he could be with the big kids. Uh, and I wasn't really a big kid yet though, you know, it was like a overgrown man child basically being tossed into the wolves, you know, most of the time that's how it felt. So, you know, luckily my sister was there and, um, you know, then most of the times I feel like I was having to protect her because she's asking me questions, you know, and also, well, I don't know, I'm just like, we're sitting there asking each other. The next thing you know, we get in trouble for talking, you know, just stuff like that. It was always the morality thing that killed me. Morality, 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 what's to do, what's to do the right. Don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying to be a full-on anarchist and go and, and do whatever you feel. There is a structure of rules. But then at the same time, it gets a little crazy and a little, you know, bent out of shape with sometimes how people do it, you know. People take a little tiny position and what do they do? They just turn around and it feels like it's just too much power and they abuse it. The number one thing that usually drives me crazy is they sit there and say that thou shalt not judge. But let me tell you something, that's the first thing that they basically do is turn around and judge your ass, you know, and then basically try to sit there and give you the Bible. Well, you know, I was told a long time ago, it's kind of funny, when they all came and they created this great nation of ours, you know, they turned around and had a Bible and, and how these, these uh, uh, Indians had land, where they do turn around gave them the Bible and snatched up all they land. So, you know, to get back into what I like to get into, it's like when I was just like saying, being stuck in the big kid's hut, you know, I couldn't really read too well. You know how kids are, they're vicious. You know, you only have one person in there. She's probably in her twenties, 
you know she's in here trying to teach all of us basically the bible so what do we do you know sitting in rows going up and down the line and i think they just gave us candy just to keep us from going to sleep if you know what i'm saying but anyway like i say villain van michaels you know as a young kid you know i'm sitting in there i'm in class you know and i'm trying like most of the times like i said i had a hard time reading you know i wasn't the most you know sharpest tool in the shit but you know i had a lot of creativity I had a lot of spirituality and I had a lot of dreams and I had an imagination that just wouldn't stop. Uh, most of the times I could just actually go ahead and just pretty much play by myself. Most of the times I would, I'd be up so early because all my other friends would be inside. They usually when I was growing up, um, I'd be the first one outside every morning, riding my bike, riding my bike, riding my bike. I knew most of the kids didn't even come out until about 12 o'clock because that's when most of them were just starting to have breakfast. Not in my house. Actually, we were up right and early, military style, it seemed like, 4.30. By 6 o'clock, we ate. By 9 o'clock, I think I was ready to take a nap. You know, so by the time noon came, that was lunchtime. For most kids, I actually eat lunch about 9 o'clock. When should I say 9 o'clock? I normally have to say in the afternoon. For me, everything came early. Came real fast, too. I always try to play until the streetlights came on. But, um... You know, I'd always say, and never forget, it reminds me of this story. When I was growing up, you know, there was this uh, one woman who I used to love. You know, I loved her. I still, actually, I can't remember her name too much now, nowadays, except for her name was, uh, I'm just going to call her Paula. You know, I won't always like that name. And uh, she was a real good friend of my mom's. And my mom was actually, my mom and my stepdad were actually going through their thing and actually, you know, trying to make ends meet. It was hard in the 70s, you know, wasn't a lot of uh, of uh, too much going on, you know. It, by the time you got to the 80s, well, you, a lot of you probably already know, but a few of you for the, for the listening, you know, if you look it up, 83, 82, you know. Um, by the time I was like five or six, you know, I used to go to this babysitter's house. She used to be my favorite babysitter. I'm just gonna call her Paula. Paula was a, um, interesting individual she had uh, sandy you know brown hair and she used to always tell me stories all the time and um sometimes i wouldn't tell my mom because you know she already kind of frowned upon my creativity she thought it'd be weird or strange because it was something that was not she could wrap her mind around you know but for me it was just like wide open open game and i had some very vivid dreams to me they were more like movies you know i wish i could draw like my cousin you know, because if I did, like, I'd always try to draw, and at the same time, it just didn't come out right. You know, just didn't have the depth of dimension, because it just, you know, wasn't too much of an artist. But um, I knew exactly how to explain it, and I had the memory, it didn't stop. You know, so it got even better. Well, anyway, get back to the story. So we used to go, you know, down, it was deep in, in, in the older houses of the city, you know, in California. And uh, when we roll up to our house, it was like something out of a movie. Everything else in the neighborhood, the sunshine, you know, palm trees. Not really palm trees, but, you know, special fruit trees and things like that. And it looked like, you know, white picket fences and, you know, everybody's really tight, nice house. And then we pull up to the house that 
looked like her Adams family lived there, or Elvira lived there. And actually, I always remember because she had a really cool stairs that went up. I used to love her stairs, all the stones and everything. And then turn around, and everything looked dead. Like there was a lot of weeds, and everything looked dead, except for the persimmon tree was the only thing that was alive. And uh, to this day, um, I still love persimmons. You know, it's been a while since I had one. I should try to look them up. Um, but what ended up happening is, is she would drop me off, you know, because my mom would go to work. My stepdad would actually go to work. And then, you know, I'd be at home with her all day. You know, loved being here. The place was so creepy and so old, you know. It must have been, I don't know, around since the time that that town started. But the house was beautiful, gorgeous. All wood, wood floors, wood tile. I mean, not wood tile. Wood floors, wood walls, everything. And she never let me go upstairs. I always wanted to go upstairs, but I was so afraid of actually going upstairs because the stairs were so big and vast and so ancient. Everything was so dark all the time. Uh, actually, kind of just used to give me chills just kind of thinking about it because I used to always be afraid of our hallways. I had a thing with hallways when I was growing up as a kid. Didn't like them too much, you know? Used to actually haunt me in my dreams too, as well. Well, anyway, so she had a lot of books, you know? Obviously, she was a woman of mystery, lived by herself, and actually had a lot of cool stories to tell me. So I'd sit down, she'd make me lunch, you know, and by the time I run around in the yard, I play with the cards, you know. First, it was like a little pack of cards, and then uh, she had these other cards, these bigger cards, and I kind of just like the bigger cards because I like the pictures on them, so you can imagine what I was playing with, right? And uh, I'm sitting there and boom, and I'm playing the cards and I'm playing the cards. And she was like, well, what's this one? And what's that one? And what's this one? And um, I would just tell her stuff and I'd just be making up stuff like I was giving a tarot reading, you know. And uh, I didn't know what a tarot reading was. She never even said it. And if she did, I couldn't pronounce it at that, at that time, you know. But I just knew I liked being there. And so one day my mom was actually playing real early you know came home real early um you know because i guess she got off early and uh she came in she saw what i was doing and um when you know we rode home um she pretty much went ahead and uh sat there and said well, michael what were you doing i said i was just playing with cards and she goes oh that was doing what your daddy did you know what your real what your real daddy did you know but my biological father is what she mean and, um, you know, in her eyes, he was a real evil man. And um, make a long story short, she goes, well, I'm not sure if I'm gonna be taking you over there. And I cried and I pleaded because I wanted to go over to my babysitter's house. I felt so safe there, I felt so secure there. And actually I felt like I was learning stuff when I was there and I always just, I would dream about going over her house because that's how much fun I had. It was just the energy that was in the place at the time, I can still remember it. And if they, you know, I could take you there to this day, exactly where it was. That's how vivid my, my mind is. It's like a, like an elephant, you know, just never forget. So, uh, I have to say that ever since that time, that's uh, when mom pulled me away from all, from my babysitter, and I had to start staying with uh, people who I didn't find to be so nice. Um, not because they abused me or anything, but it was just, they didn't have the time or the patience or the understanding or the wisdom, you know, to really make me feel like I was a part of their home. You know, I just felt like an intruder most of the time. 
you know, and just hated just to be by myself, really. Um, just found myself kind of, you know, keep watching an eye on, keeping an eye on myself, you know, when there was no education, you know, there was no um, sharing, there was no talking about the stuff that I like to talk about. Obviously, um, I think well, most of the time, me and Paula, so to speak, that's what I call her, um, we're actually having very, uh, you know, deep psychic, uh, you know, connections and talks. And with a child, that's not hard to do. You gotta understand our minds are like open sponges, you know? And we just soak up all this knowledge and all this stuff and our imaginations are wide open. It's like writers would basically kill for that type of imagination. And people, you know, who are older kill for that type of energy, you know? So when you see your, your kid and you see your daughter, your son, or your nieces, or your nephews, or, you know, your cousins, or, you know, um, anybody that's just smaller who's related to you, you know, and they come up to you to tell you something, you know, don't take it for granted. Um, really pay attention to them, you know, and uh, nurture that imagination because you don't know where that imagination will actually take you. You know, like, look at it now. Like, I was, uh, I was told, you know, by one of the top world-renowned psychics that I was going to be a writer a few years back. I said, are you kidding me? I'm still learning how to read, you know? All I do is read. I read, I probably read more so than any college student growing up, you know? Um, I'm always in the books, always. And um, I'm no longer really in school, but it's always gonna be a school. So um, after, I think I got traumatized a little bit because then what started to happen was, is, you know, I started to have dreams about being at my babysitter's house and you know, missing her so much that I asked my mom when I'm going back, oh, you're never going back there. Cried over it, cried over it, because, you know, I had a connection with her, you know? And uh, she was, I felt like she was, I was learning stuff from her. She's teaching me things, not things that a kid shouldn't be knowing, but, you know, she was teaching me things that was actually helping me understand who I was since I was so quiet. Most of the times I just get so mad Actually, I just wouldn't talk, you know, that was just my thing growing up, you know, a little angry villain, that was my whole thing though too, I think that's where it spawned off for the most because, you know, it, I think the reason why I always chose villains over the heroes is because heroes are always being told what to do, you know, villains just do whatever they want to, and uh, that's pretty much what I do, I go where time takes me and I don't really give a fuck. You know, it's one of those things like, um, uh, you know, carpe diem, live in the moment. That's me right there. Um, Vin, inverse villain Van Michaels. It's like uh, I go places where other people don't think. I try to do and get involved in stuff that other people only dream. All right, we have spring, actually summertime 1977, I know. People saying, God dang, you're old. But in the same time though too, actually it was an exciting time. Uh, a lot of people were still partying, a lot of people having a good time. Shag rugs were still actually a, a, a thing, iron. I grew up with a lot of wicker, tons of wicker. But anyway, growing up 1977, a lot of spiritual things basically happened in 1977, okay? For sevens, actually, it's a Christ number right there, you know? 
that make that times two. Dogon, you know, true energy, Christ energy. Okay, so you're gonna hear me use a lot of form of talk things of talking about mythology, talking about how we get down with the science of things and not morality. Like I say, there's no such thing as curse words. So as I basically tell you my story, you break it down. Um, pretty much you're looking at how I grew up, you know, in uh, in the 70s, 1977 when I was born. Running around on shag rugs, everything iron, you know, afros, bell bottoms, all that good stuff, all the way into the 80s, okay? Now, made it interesting was, is that uh, when I was growing up, I was a real shy, timid type of guy, you know, little, little dude, but I was not really too little. I seemed kind of big for my height, you know, for my age. And uh, people always just think I was a lot older than what I was. And uh, we used to always have to go to church all the time. You know, church was like a thing. Church, 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 church. It's like, you know, I didn't even know that, that church, you could go to church about at least about five or six times a week, but we did. You know, I'm not knocking spirituality. It was a very good thing for my mother, but you know, and my parents growing up, you know, my stepfather, you know, and, and, uh, and my mom, but it just seems not to do too much for me. Like I said, being the shy, timid dude, you know, growing up and everything, I was just trying to keep quiet. I stayed in the shadows most of the time, didn't even say anything, you know? So I'm just trying to figure everything out as I'm going along, scared about everything. I was shy, I was so shy. I mean, I'd be afraid of my own shadow most of the time. It was amazing. Well, to get to the point, I used to always have dreams all the time. My imagination would just run crazy crazy wild and I just had this imagination that didn't stop and I, my dreams to me were like movies I could not wait to actually go to sleep because I love to dream and I'm still that way today I'm still that way today dreams are very powerful you know um, study your dreams you know I encourage that thing um, like I said I had you know five kids myself one past you know and um, at the same time it was one of those things where like, you know, when I was growing up, I think I realized a lot more than what people thought I did. It's just the fact that I didn't speak, you know, kind of made it interesting because everybody was so, so much a mystery. But you'd be amazed, the quieter you are, the louder things, you know, the louder you become. And uh, most of the time I was trying to avoid people, trying not to avoid getting in the front of the line, having to go next, have to do, this in front of people, do that in front of people. And I say this and that is, is I, I really didn't like anything that pretty much drew too much attention to me. I was just a little guy, you know, a big little guy, but I was still a little guy. So I used to always hate it because of my size. You know, we go to church and they put me, oh, he could be with the big kids. Uh, no one wasn't really a big kid yet though. You know, it was like a overgrown man child basically being tossed into the wolves, you know. Most of the time, that's how it felt. So, you know, luckily my sister was there. And, um, you know, then most of the times I feel like I was having to protect her because she's asking me questions, you know. And also, well, I don't know. I was like, we're sitting there asking each other. The next thing you know, we get in trouble for talking, you know, just stuff like that. It was always the morality thing that killed me. Morality, morality, morality. What's to do, what's to do the right. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying to be a full-on anarchist and go... And, and do whatever you feel there is a structure of rules but then at the same time it gets a little crazy and a little you know bent out of shape but sometimes of how people do it you know 
people take a little tiny position and what do they do? They just turn around and it feels like it's just too much power and they abuse it. The number one thing that usually drives me crazy is they sit there and say that thou shalt not judge. But let me tell you something, that's the first thing that they basically do is turn around and judge your ass, you know? And then basically try to sit there and give you the Bible. Well, you know, I was told a long time ago, it's kind of funny when they all came and they created this great nation of ours, you know? They turned around and had a Bible and, and how these, these uh, uh, Indians had land. Where they do, turn around, gave them the Bible and snatched up all their land. So, you know, to get back into what I like to get into is like, when I was just like saying, being stuck in the big kid's hut, you know, I couldn't really read too well. You know how kids are, they're vicious. You know, you only have one person in there. She, she's probably in her 20s. You know, she's in here trying to teach all of us basically the Bible. So what do we do? You know, sitting in rows, going up and down the line. And I think they just gave us candy just to keep us from going to sleep, if you know what I'm saying. But anyway, like I say, Bill and Van Michaels, you know, as a young kid, you know, I'm sitting in there, I'm in class, you know, and I'm trying, like most of the times, like I said, I had a hard time reading. You know, I wasn't the most, you know, sharpest tool in the shit, but you know, I had a lot of creativity. I had a lot of spirituality and I had a lot of dreams and I had an imagination that just wouldn't stop. Uh, most of the times I could just actually go ahead and just pretty much play by myself. Most of the times I would, I'd be up so early because all my other friends would be inside. They usually when I was growing up, um, I'd be the first one outside every morning, riding my bike, riding my bike, riding my bike. I knew most of the kids didn't even come out until about 12 o'clock because that's when most of them were just starting to have breakfast. Not in my house. Actually, we were up right and early, military style, it seemed like 4.30. By 6 o'clock, we ate. By 9 o'clock, I think I was ready to take a nap. You know, so by the time noon came, that was lunchtime. For most kids, I actually eat lunch about 9 o'clock. Why should I say 9 o'clock? I normally have to say in the afternoon. For me, everything came early. Came real fast, too. I always try to play until the streetlights came on. But, um, you know, I'd always say, and never forget, it reminds me of this story. When I was growing up, you know, there was this uh, one woman who I used to love. You know, I loved her. I still, actually, I can't remember her name too much now, nowadays, except for her name was, uh, I'm just gonna call her Paula. You know, for one, I always liked that name. And uh, she was a real good friend of my mom's. And my mom was actually, my mom and my stepdad were actually going through their thing and actually, you know, trying to make ends meet. It was hard in the 70s, you know, wasn't a lot of, uh, of uh, too much going on, you know. It, by the time you got to the 80s, well, you, a lot of you probably already know, but a few of you for the, that are listening, you know, if you look it up, 83, 82, you know. Um, by the time I was like five or six, you know, I used to go to this babysitter's house. She used to be my favorite babysitter. I'm just gonna call her Paula. Paula was a, um, interesting individual she had uh, sandy you know brown hair and she used to always tell me stories all the time and um sometimes i wouldn't tell my mom because you know she already kind of frowned upon my creativity she thought it'd be weird or strange because it was something that was not she could wrap her mind around you know but for me it was just like wide open open game and i had some very vivid dreams to me they were more like movies you know i wish i could draw like my cousin 
you know, because if I did, like, I'd always try to draw, and at the same time, it just didn't come out right, you know, just didn't have the depth of dimension, because it just, you know, wasn't too much of an artist, but um, I knew exactly how to explain it, and I had the memory, it didn't stop, you know, so it got even better. Well, anyway, get back to the story, so we used to go, you know, down, it was deep in, in, in the older houses of the city, you know, in California. And uh, when we roll up to our house, it was like something out of a movie. Everything else in the neighborhood, the sunshine, you know, palm trees, and not really palm trees, but you know, special fruit trees and things like that. And it looked like, you know, white picket fences and, you know, everybody's really tight, nice house. And then we pull up to the house that looked like the Adams family lived there, or Elvira lived there. And, Actually, I always remember because she had a really cool stairs that went up. I used to love her stairs and all the stones and everything. And then turn around and everything looked dead. Like there's a lot of weeds and everything looked dead. Except for the persimmon tree was the only thing that was alive. And uh, to this day, um, I still love persimmons. You know, it's been a while since I had one. I should try to look them up. Um, but what ended up happening is, is she would drop me off, you know, because my mom would go to work. My stepdad would actually go to work. And then, you know, I'd be at home with her all day. You know, loved being here. The place was so creepy and so old, you know. It must have been, I don't know, around since the time that that town started. But the house was beautiful, gorgeous, all wood, wood floors, wood tile. I mean, not wood tile, wood floors, wood walls, everything. And she never let me go upstairs. I always wanted to go upstairs, but I was so afraid of actually going upstairs because the stairs were so big and vast and so ancient. Everything was so dark all the time. Uh, actually kind of just used to give me chills just kind of thinking about it because I used to always be afraid of our hallways. I had a thing with hallways when I was growing up as a kid. Didn't like them too much, you know. Used to actually haunt me in my dreams too as well. Well, anyway, so she had a lot of books, you know. Obviously she was a woman of mystery. Lived by herself and actually had a lot of cool stories to tell me. So I'd sit down, she'd make me lunch, you know, and... By the time I run around in the yard, I play with the cards, you know. First it was like a little pack of cards, and then uh, she had these other cards, these bigger cards, and I kind of just like the bigger cards because I like the pictures on them, so you can imagine what I was playing with, right? And uh, I'm sitting there, and boom, and I'm playing the cards, and I'm playing the cards, and she was like, well, what's this one, and what's that one, and what's this one? And um, I would just tell her stuff. I mean, just be making up stuff like I was giving a tarot reading, you know. And uh, I didn't know what a tarot reading was. She never even said it. And if she did, I couldn't pronounce it at that, at that time, you know. But I just knew I liked being there. And so one day my mom was actually playing real early. You know, came home real early. Um, you know, because I guess she got off early. And uh, she came in and she saw what I was doing. And, um, when I, you know, we rode home. Um, she pretty much went ahead and uh, sat there and said, well, Mike, what were you doing? I said, I was just playing with cards. And she goes, oh, that was doing what your daddy did, you know, what your real, what your real daddy did, you know, my biological father is what she means. And, um, you know, in her eyes, he was a real evil man. And um, make a long story short, she goes, well, we're not sure if I'm going to be taking you over there. And I cried and I pleaded because I wanted to go over to my babysitter's house. I felt so safe there, I felt so secure there. 
And actually, I felt like I was learning stuff when I was there. And I always just, I would dream about going over our house because that's how much fun I had. It was just the energy that was in the place at the time. I can still remember it. And if it, you know, I could take you there to this day exactly where it was. That's how vivid my, my mind is. It's like, a, like an elephant, you know, just never forget. So, uh, I have to say that ever since that time, that's uh, when mom pulled me away from all, from my babysitter, and I had to start staying with uh, people who I didn't find to be so nice. Um, not because they abused me or anything, but it was just, they didn't have the time or the patience or the understanding or the wisdom, you know, to really make me feel like I was a part of their home. You know, I just felt like an intruder most of the time, you know, and just hated just to be by myself, really. Um, just found myself kind of, you know, keep watching an eye on, keep an eye on myself, you know, when there was no education, you know, there was no um, sharing, there was no talking about the stuff that I like to talk about. Obviously, um, I think most of the time, me and Paula, so to speak, is what I call her, um, we're actually having very, uh, you know, deep psychic, uh, you know, connections and talks. And with a child, that's not hard to do. You gotta understand our minds are like open sponges, you know? And we just soak up all this knowledge and all this stuff and our imaginations are wide open. It's like writers would basically kill for that type of imagination. And people, you know, who are older kill for that type of energy, you know? So when you see your, your kid and you see your daughter, or your son, or your nieces, or your nephews, or you know your cousins, or you know um, anybody that's just smaller who's related to you, you know, and they come up to to tell you something, you know, don't take it for granted. Um, really pay attention to them, you know, and uh, nurture that imagination because you don't know where that imagination will actually take you. You know, like look at it now. Like I was, uh, I was told, you know, by one of the top world-renowned psychics that I was going to be a writer a few years back. I said, are you kidding me? I'm still learning how to read. You know, all I do is read. I read, I probably read more so than any college student growing up. You know, um, I'm always in the books, always. And um, I'm no longer really in school, but it's always gonna be a school. So um, after, I think I got traumatized a little bit because then what started to happen was, is, you know, I started to have dreams about being at my babysitter's house and you know, missing her so much, I asked my mom when I'm going back, oh, you're never going back there. Cried over it, cried over it, because, you know, I had a connection with her, you know? And uh, she was, I felt like she was, I was learning stuff from her. She's teaching me things, not things that a kid shouldn't be knowing, but, you know, she was teaching me things that was actually helping me understand who I was since I was so quiet. Most of the times I just get so mad I just wouldn't talk, you know, that was just my thing growing up, you know, a little angry villain. That was my whole thing, though, too. I think that's where it spawned off for the most because, you know, it, I think the reason why I always chose villains over the heroes is because heroes are always being told what to do. You know, villains just do whatever they want to. And uh, that's pretty much what I do. I go where time takes me and I don't really give a fuck. You know, it's one of those things like, um, uh, 
you know, carpe to diem, live in the moment. That's me right there. Um, Vin, inverse Villain Van Michaels. It's like uh, I go places where other people don't think. I try to do and get involved in stuff that other people only dream. <laughs>